Hey, wrestling fans, Mr. Technical here, Barry Horowitz. When I listen to broadcasts in Long Island, I listen to Monty and Nefaro. They are the best. They're what you call in the French avant-garde, to be different, just like Mr. Technical wrestles. And I give them both a big pat on the back. Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Monty Nefaro, only seen here out of Indie Music TV in Ronkonkoma, Long Island. It's another Thursday, and we're welcoming all the fans back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling show. And at the board is our number one producer. It's Matty Ice. Hey Matty. <laughs> so, Matty, what happened? Your car broke down? What's going on, bro? Yeah, the starter broke down Hi. once more. This is a tale. That happens too many times. Dude, this snow cost me so much money to do to, to both my houses. What about the Faro's car? The Faro's car cost almost a grand this week. What about me and Matt are going to be walking to the studio next week? Life's rough, man. This storm sucked. If anyone didn't know, Boy. that's the star of the show, Mr. Boy. Jimmy Farrow. He's to my right, Jimmy. How are you, buddy? Oh, the star, yeah. I'm doing all right, I guess, when I'm not paying for the repairs on my car. I'm doing fine. Yeah. How you doing, folks? <sighs> So, uh, some sad news earlier this week. Um, More? Dustin Diamond, best known for Saved by the Bell, um, passed away. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lung cancer. What's your memories of this show? Did you you have... uh, Were you showing this to your your child growing up? No. So... When I got home from the military, uh, yeah, my my calendar's right, so I'm off here. I'm probably in my early twenties, Maddie's okay. age. Okay, um, it Th- was on. This was this was the nineties. So I didn't really watch it. Like it wasn't influential. We're yeah, older, right. But Maddie, you, I th- was aware that it was becoming influential, and all these years later, it obviously was for to that generation. Matt, any thoughts on us? Saved by Did the you Bell? grow up on Saved by the Bell? Um, that was more my brother's generation, more or less. I. I was still in the SpongeBob phases, you know where. Nice. Yes. Yeah, so I love SpongeBob. Nice. Yeah. So, um, 
That my I know my brother watched that like a demon though he found that hilarious. <laughs> like so. like a demon? demon? Yeah, I watched Saved by the Bell. That's the diamond. Yeah. What? You know it's funny when you look at that <laughs> cast, right? Um, yeah, he's the memorable one. Well, the one to me, the one, the one girl, Tiffany. Uh, she moved on to nine hundred two one zero. Okay, good career. The other obviously. one, Elizabeth Berkeley. Uh, Look at you she, spitting out. No, you well, didn't watch well, it. Wait, no, 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 hold on. I want to explain something. Oh my something. God! Wait a minute. God. Is that a Saved by the Bell lunch pail? No, no, it isn't. But oh, hold on. Elizabeth Berkeley no, ended up job. doing like a semi-porn movie. Oh, it was like, no, I forget the no, name Now that's of why it. you know. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, my God. Okay. And did anybody else go on to anything uh, from well, that the, show? Well, Zach went on to like a cop show. Okay. And unfortunately, I think the one left behind was uh, Mr. Poor Dustin Diamond. Left behind? Yeah. Yeah, but he to me he was the star of that show. Why? I mean, why? Why was he? He's the, the star? most memorable to me, wasn't he? The the, the wackadoo. He was out there. Well, he was a character. I would. He say, was a character. I would say. So I remember about that him. back when wrestling before COVID, yeah. back in the day, oh, he always COVID. used him and Mister Belding used to show up at a lot of wrestling Did independent they? wrestling events. Did they really? They were like the stars of it. He's almost got a wrestling name. I thought this was an ECW thing or something. I wasn't sure. Well, Andrew An- Andrew Anderson, who uh, is a good friend of the show, he yeah. he was talking about Dustin because he's known him from all these signings and these events and stuff okay. like that. And from what he explained to me is uh, Dustin was sick well back into September and wasn't getting any help. Can I ask what he passed from? I don't want to sound like I've been like, you know. Lung cancer. Oh. And God. it was quick, too. Was he it a was smoker? Like, um, I don't know who knows. I know he had know. some problem with alcohol. Okay. Uh, went don't to jail. All? I mean, yeah. Don't we all? Oh, went to, okay. Don't we all? Yeah. Um, wow. It's just unfortunate. He's young, too, He's, right? Like, you I know mean, what? How was this man? He's 44 young? years old. Oh, come on. You know, and by the way, uh, before the show went on, when I could hear the music for the video, I wanted to walk into traffic. <laughs> I'm serious. Well, this is so sad. You know, you should I'm be like, making me laugh at this I'm, point. I'm I mean, trying. well, is there an walk alternative? Into traffic. We're supposed to sit here and cry? No, we will not cry. It sucks, though. That's horrible. And he was in- tremendously memorable to me. It's the star of the show as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know what? Everybody knows who Screech was, so I guess I, he was a star I'm telling you, and there's a generation who absolutely love him, so you know what? Rest in peace and good job, bro. You'll be remembered by that generation for the rest of their lives. Well, we should all be so lucky to say something like that. Well said. You know? On the Monty and the Farrow Show, we'd like to recognize Black History Month. Uh, okay. February in the United States is the annual observance yes. of Black History Month, also known as African American History Month. I, lo- I like this. It's it's also uh, observed not only in the United States annually, but Canada, Ireland. Hey, my home, my homeland, Netherlands, United Kingdom. Cheerio, Cheerio. And, of course, and of course us. Cheerio, nice and job. And of course, America. Nice job. Well, being a pro wrestling show uh, for the for the month, we will choose one African American pro wrestler every show. Oh, somebody comes to mind right to away. Dis- to discuss at some point. Um, well, at some point, we'll have some famous wrestlers call in, sure. uh, African American wrestlers, okay. and they'll discuss along okay. with us uh, some of these uh, African American wrestlers. So this week, uh, we're going to recognize the natural Butch Reed. Oh, Unfortunately, uh, Butch Reed suffered a heart attack last week, and our prayers go out to him and well, his was family. There, was there two? Was that, was that I heard. Reported? I heard too. Um, okay. Okay. 
You know, my biggest thoughts of him were when he was here, number one, what a gentleman, very pleasant, you know, but more so his love for JYD, Junkyard Dog. That's the thing I remember the most about the interview was his, you know, pure emotions over JYD. Yes, totally, totally. He's a good man. I hope he gets better quick. Not to get off subject, uh, modern day warrior, Billy Jack has been missing. We do have Billy Jack's phone number. His number's not working. What's going on? But... Just surprisingly enough, James Terry, private investigator for Pro Wrestler, will be on the second half of the show, and we will talk about Billy Jack Haynes. I've actually sent him out looking for Billy Jack Haynes, and we're going to find out what he's come up with. Oh boy. But back to Butch Reed. I'm sorry to draw, draw you off that. Where does Butch end up in the annals of pro wrestling history, according to the Pharaoh? According to the – oh, I love how you throw it all on me. I better say good things. Um, well, He's a main event guy, obviously. Um, one of the major players of his time period. I think you love him a lot more than I do, but I'm still curious about that. I, I don't remember. I feel like we missed some of his greater days when we couldn't see him in other territories, if that makes, makes well, any sense. You know, we saw some of him, but we didn't it's, see it's, all of It's all funny. Of his... When he came to the WWF mm-hmm. at the time, mm-hmm. he was coming from, I, I believe... Uh, well, obviously the in, Louisiana territory, right? right? Obviously NWA area. Yeah. Right? So right. Um, he came in, dyed his hair blonde. He was I called like the that. natural. I like that. By the, the one way. exciting part about Butch Reed for me okay. was that he was really going to be the first black intercontinental champion. Um, he talks about it on the interview. You could go to the Monty and the Farrell page and see that interview. Mm. Um, he just decided not to show up. He said he was tired. Um, they ended up giving it to Honky Tonk Man, and we obviously know where that ended boy, up in oh history, boy, right? Boy, oh boy, did that alter history. That did alter history. Wow. But a lot of people seem to forget that uh, Butch Reed joined Ron Simmons in with Doom. And at the time, and maybe if you look at history, Doom was one of the great, great tag teams in the history of pro wrestling, in my opinion. Mm. Thoughts? Way up there. Um you know how much we love those bruising tag teams. Yes. We've always been a fan of those bruising tag teams. They were they were badasses. You had no argument there, you know. I'd like to go back and watch a bunch of videos on them to fur- further formulate my thoughts on on Doom as a whole, but definitely memorable, definitely badass. Well, remember when uh, you know, remember when Butch said that Ron started doing business for himself and mm-hmm. he became World heavyweight champion yep. after Doom, right? So yep. I mean, yep. I think I got the timeline. Yep. Right? Oddly enough, uh, you know, you talked about how Butch Reed could have been the first Black Intercontinental Champion. He eventually gets paired up with the guy who becomes the first Black World Champion. There you go. Great Very point. Interesting. Very good point. Very too. interesting. Life what? is strange that way. <laughs> I kind of like it. All right, what we'll, else we got? We'll be right back after this commercial break, yeah. and in a few short minutes, we'll have Private Investigator Pro Wrestling. Investigator Mr. James Terry. Stay tuned. You need a body shop? You need engine repair? Auto Excellence. Collision Specialists. 631-261-6420. That's 631-261-6420. Auto Excellence. That's right, folks. Canine Corral. For all your dog daycare and overnight care, call 631-549-1544. That's 631-549-1544. 
And APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631-390-9050. That's 631-390-9050. APB. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Monty Nefaro, only seen here out of Indie Music TV and Ron Konkuma, Long Island. Monty Nefaro can be seen on the Monty Nefaro YouTube page. And by the way, folks out there, the Monty Nefaro page on YouTube, you can sign up and become a member where you get all these little special gifts and Pledge gadgets. You've got, Do we get pledge pins? You get crazy emojis. Okay. Crazy emojis. Right? Crazy emojis. Oh, okay. If you sign up for a membership, you get the Monty and the Pharaoh t-shirt, which I'm wearing right now. I Ooh, can't see it behind you. my wow, computer. Wow, what a model, huh? Hello. <laughs> uh, Go on. And you will, as uh, this year goes on, uh, we'll make announcement of all the special wrestlers that will come in. You'll get special insight to these interviews Ooh. and special behind-the-scenes clips Look that only you. members can see. Hmm. So, we um, need pledge pins, though. We've got to get them. What is like a pledge pin? Monty the Pharaoh pledge pin. Like the logo on a little pin. Like a pledge, pledge pin. Like well, pledge I am pin. coming out. Or on your uniform. We are coming out with the Monty the Pharaoh <laughs> Corona masks. Those will be coming no, shortly. Not. Oh, we are? Matt, you'll oh, be able to wear that. Oh, man. The Monty the Pharaoh Corona mask. Oh. Not, I'm fully excited. That would be really Holy awesome. Biohazard so you can you can have Monty Nefaro all over. Maybe at some point we'll have Monty Nefaro underwear. I'm not sure. Oh stop! That's Monty Nefaro could be seen on the, on Facebook Live, the Monty Nefaro page, iHeartRadio, <laughs> Spotify, Anchor, Pandora, Twitch TV, the Monty Nefaro page, Channel 15 in New York every Tuesday from 7 to 7:30, and for early risers on Channel 115 from 6 a.m. to 6:30, and soon to be on a Fruit of the Loom commercial. There you go. Monty Nefaro Channel underwear. 20 in. New York Cable on Friday morning at 1.30 a.m. Are you, uh, have you caught any of the uh, Friday I don't have shows? TV. Oh, I forgot. Thanks. Well, James well, Terry will be on uh, one of the future episodes on Cable, so that will be pretty awesome. Nice. I want to thank Wisteria Hall, who sings the theme song for Monty and the Pharaoh. The name of the song is Riding High. Hmm. Uh, Wisteria Hall is led by my hmm. co-host, Mr. Jim, Jimmy Farrell, along with his partner, Bart Griggs. Bart you can download Wisteria Hall's music off of Spotify, Reverb Nation, or where music is sold. Mm. So, Jimmy, yeah. before we get to James, yeah. what's, uh, this Sunday we had the Royal Rumble. But before we discuss that, mm. uh, let's discuss the WWE documentary that came out on Yokozuna. You mean the one you saw and I haven't seen. Yeah, but you know <laughs> no, what? That's, that, that's not even the point. The point yeah. is, first of all, the WWE... We all know that they sold the network or yeah. rented the network yeah, to Peacock like for five years. Right. For um, a fortune, yes. But I got to tell you, their documentaries are top-notch. Yeah. I'm sorry. When these people put out these documentaries, Not and surprised. I'll name a few. I don't want to embarrass them, but they can't even touch no. these WWE documentaries. Not on that level, no. Any of them. No. But the one thing I, we were talking They're, earlier. The, the, the HBO quality here. You know? Oh, absolutely. Like, what are we saying here? You know, a show, it does make a difference. It makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Modern Day Warrior asked, we have Jim Rockford in. He was a PI also. I don't think he's alive anymore. Rockford Jim Files. Rockford. You know what's scary? He's awesome. He must be our age because that's, if he knows great. what the Rockford Files that is, is, that's pretty, that's, that's effing scary. That's great. Um, <laughs> where, I never gave a lot of thought to Yokozuna, but yeah. as I'm watching this documentary, Okay. I'm like, this guy had a lot of clout yeah. in pro wrestling. Like he 
he actually changed from the shitty he made the shitty 90s mm-hmm. into actually brought it back into like relevance into mm-hmm. some points right really Okay. Thoughts? Well, I don't I'm know. I'm wondering what... You don't you seem know, like you agree with me. Well, obviously, from the documentary, these are the impressions you got that were reinforced. When I look at... First of all, I always thought Yokozuna was absolutely the top of formidable. Like, when this guy got in the ring, he never had... Did you think he was Japanese in the beginning? Of course. I did, too. I, I was thought, shocked I to thought find Chief out he was J. Strongball was an Indian. He's eating pizza. Uh, I mean, come on. I mean, uh, you know, whatever. You know, whatever. I, he he played the role perfectly. What, you thought he was Samoan? I did not think he was Samoan. Well, come on. But when I know? found out, I was disappointed. <laughs> disappointed. Uh, That's great. I, I think that I only found great. out a few years ago. Right, right. Actually, to be truthful. Uh, what's, what's cool about Yokozuna was, and, and he's finally getting some credit for this years later, was his agility. This guy could oh, yeah. do some things. Oh yeah, for a very, very large man, he could do some very impressive things. Yeah, Yokozuna was great. Actually, I, I do need it, to see the documentary. It's actually very sad, right? Because he, the WWE really tries to take care of him and make him go on a diet because he's just like he's he's getting slower. They can sound... see he's having issues. Oh, they put okay. him with uh, Owen Hart. Okay, you know they put him with Owen Hart yeah. because he couldn't move the way he used to move. Right. And you're not he not was the ruin it into the role of Andre almost. Oh there. yes, I, I yes, very good. Well, that's very what happened good. with Andre and Haku. Like, history repeats itself, I guess. But you know, for all these WWE haters or these Vince McMahon haters that say he doesn't take care of these wrestlers, oh come on! It's like, boy, did they go out of their way to help this guy? Well, why should we talk about that when we could talk about the, the three or four that he didn't? Let's do that. Yeah, you know point. how it works. Like, life is perfect, that he's going to 1,000% take care of everybody. Not everybody's exactly nice to him all the time either. Does that get lost? That's true. You know? It's a good yeah, point. Let me sue you 7,000 times because of a headlock I took back You would think night. at a point, Stop like, it. you know, oh, why is he help superstar Billy Graham? It's like, dude, you trash you, the guy yeah, on a regular nah, basis. Man, at on, some point, when do you go, screw you, yeah, I'm not I, helping you I'm anymore. I'm amazed the two didn't step outside. Let's just get this over with already. You Absolutely. said you seem to never know when to shut up. Uh, you're oh, right. What the fuck? Uh, People are unbelievable. They really are. Edges you 2021 Royal Rumble winner and winning it from the number one spot. Right. Thoughts on that? Fucking incredible. I mean, oop, now I have to put the horn on the cable thing. Damn it. Uh, uh, flipping incredible. Um, I was amazed that, you know, Edge went the whole way through. Uh, I We did talk about it before the event happened, and we felt that it was either going to be Edge or maybe Daniel Bryan or somebody like that, but we had pretty much come up with Edge. Right. And... Um, a great performance. Uh, I am surprised at it, but he seems to be beelining towards Roman Reigns, and that's a sexy matchup. I think it's going to be him and Roman. Well, the teasing NXT, you know. right? He was at he was at NXT yesterday. Edge versus Finn Balor. You'll be all over that. No, you well, won't. You will not be all over that. They'd be an amazing match, quite honestly. I would hate that match. I, you'd hate every second of it. I would hate every yeah, second. You would hate every First of all, why would you even do that? Like, you wouldn't. wouldn't. Make any no, sense. it's going to be Edge and Reigns, So then Karrion Cross came out and said to Edge, don't count on Finn Balor. If you're going to go for this belt, you're going to get me. Yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. Edge will die. Cross will murder him. Dude, Edge Roman Reigns is a hot that's the main ticket. event. Obviously, hot main that's event. The t- that's the ticket. So let's speak about ageism, right? We're older guys. Okay, we can right? talk about that. Could you speak a little louder? <laughs> Go on. Goldberg, too old, but Edge, okay? Interesting. I do think Edge look, looks a bit his age, like when he won after hey, an hour he, in there. Yeah. 
I could see somebody in there. But why 40s, beat up? You know? Is it because Goldberg's been overplayed and Edge hasn't been overplayed yet? Goldberg is an easy target, and it's true that Goldberg is slipping in the ring. Even the Jack Hammer, and that by the way, that was a serviceable. They did their job. It wasn't that great to begin with. The okay, Jack, let's no, get realistic. In, the, in his prime, the dude he Jack Hammered the Giant, known as Big Show today, back in '98 in WCW, and held him straight up in the air, 450 pounds or whatever the the young giant was, and boom. Now, nah, Goldberg's jackhammer used to be of legendary status. Whether you love him or hate him, you'd be ignorant to say anything so, else. So, just, I just want to you know, go back he's, to he's the... He's getting older now, I want to go back. showing. I want to go back to Yoko, uh, not Yoko, the Yokozuna documentary. Yeah. Joe Han says out there, Heroes of World Class Wrestling, the story of the Von Erichs is way better than any WWE documentary ever made. Okay, ever I w- made. I would, okay. I would say this. That's his opinion. I would say the... Uh, the downfall, the the Va- but the Von Erich documentary made by the WWE is yeah. top notch, mm-hmm. and I would say it's actually better than Heroes of World Class Wrestling. I've seen okay. that documentary. I know, and you're a huge Von Erich fan. I am so a huge I'll, Von I'll Erich go with fan. Your opinion, and I will also fine. say this: it's an opinion. If you're going to look at any documentary, I'm sorry, the Andre the Giant documentary mm. is the cream of the mm. crop. All right. You know what documentary I love? But was that A and E? Wrestling with Shadows with Bret Hart. Wrestling with Shadows. Incredible documentary. Honestly, I think that's the best one I've ever seen. You know what? That is a great. Quite one. honestly, you, you know, know what? And I just watched that the other and day. And that's that's A and E, isn't it? Or something like that? They, or that's the channel it was on. I don't know. Uh, Losey Burns says Yoko was was fast for his size. Sure was. Agreed. Awesome. Absolutely. Sure so was. back to the ageism thing. Yeah. Um. I think it's a Goldberg thing, dude, because people are yes. jacked up about look, Sting look, being back. Look, really? Sting? Goldberg is is a You dead. were jacked up of Sting, right? I always like to see Sting. I'm cool with that. He's going to be very limited in the ring though. There's only so uh, much. Darby can... Allen says he jumped the fence. He's ready to go. Okay. He was able to he was able to get over a fence, so he's oh, ready to wrestle. Okay. All right. Did they do the ropes too? What about what about you know those drills? What about the ropes? what about the, the crap that your boy Jericho gets? Jericho gets it all the time body because now. Jericho's developing what I used to call it with you back in the day. I used to call it flare chest. Our old man body, right? You could call it that. I think that's that's kind of, you know, that's kind of rough. But, hey, it's a rough world. Um, <laughs> it's a Jer- rough it world. It is. People aren't nice anymore. I don't think Jericho's body is that just bad, go to off. be honest with you. I think he Are looks like a 50-something-year-old guy. Honestly, if I woke up one morning and that's how I looked, they'd be like, wow, what happened to me? <laughs> I rule. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm digging his tattoo though, dude. I'm not. I don't like what? that arm, his oh, arm sleeve latest, tattoo. Uh, yeah, well, at least it's not a Pepsi logo or something. So look. Oh. Well, I think. I think what we're realizing right now is that we're older. Oh, I've realized. There's that a lot for quite of older fans. Sucks. I mean, and the yo- the younger fans <laughs> like the like the. They don't want to see the older guys, I guess. Not necessarily. I think that Goldberg is an easy target, especially for the internet type fans that love the modern. Oh, they just style want to throw their little stab points Go, in. They just want to yeah, say people something. People like to take shots. That's the bottom line, you know. I don't actually enjoy doing it. I don't go on a keyboard every day and do stuff like that, but I know a lot of people do, you know. Goldberg is definitely winding de- way beyond winding down at this point, though. He, he, Him and Undertaker almost broke each other's necks. Uh, he did struggle with the jackhammer a little bit, and uh, I think it's about time, you know. Well, I think it's see, about time. This is, this but I certainly won't get on the keyboard and start killing him. But this is him. the problem I have. He's a, he's a but, legend. But this is the problem I have. You know? This is, we think we might know what we're talking about, right? Yeah. I was talking to Andrew, not to bring up it's Andrew an again, but Andrew was talking about the whole Alexa Bliss thing, right? With the, with the, which you I'm know, loving. With, yeah, which I'm, <laughs> but he goes, this isn't wrestling. 
Here's the thing, dude. It's when, part of. But but he, you know, we say that Goldberg's not working either. When you just rent your network out for one billion dollars, something is working. Something is working. <laughs> I don't working. know how else to say. It. Yeah, something's. You working. You know, you can't argue the point. There are still life is. Of, there listen, are still millions of people watching wrestling. If it's you just want, not Kabilia. If you want to be the you know? starving artist. <laughs> <laughs> or I'd rather have the fucking billion dollars. I have to be honest with you. Is that why I'm so hungry? <laughs> I'm the starving artist. What the they're doing to wrestling artist. is ruining the creation oh, that stop. I had. I'm sorry, dude. One billion dollars. I can't say it enough. They're the same people who worship a guy who keeps his hands in his pocket. Yes. Please stop. Stop, guys. Come on! And by the way, what Alexa Bliss is doing is is not wrestling. Then then uh, then Damian the Snake has to revoke his license. What are you doing in the ring? This is this is not wrestling. Come come on! You're right. It's all part of it, you know. You're right. You're right. And and, and I you know a- Andrew Andrew Anderson is a, is a wise man. He knows his wrestling. So Andrew, next time I see you, we're gonna put six 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 on your forehead. Oh wait, no, no Severin didn't even go for that. So I guess we won't do that. Uh, Johan says this might be the very last go-around for a lot of these 80s and 90s wrestlers. If you want to see these 80s and 90s wrestlers, we'll put an announcement out of what, who we got coming in for the next mm. couple of weeks. I think everybody – or the next couple of months. I'm mm. sorry. I think everybody will get excited. Again, go to the Monty Nefaro YouTube page. You can join, become a member. You get shirts. You get emojis. You get special behind-the-scenes stuff. You, you know, There's so much, but you guys will be shocked on who's coming on the show. We always have plenty of people on, so uh, and they're usually pretty enjoyable interviews. Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, we discussed earlier this week. I'm mm-hmm. not a Kevin Owens guy. You are. Yeah. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yep. Yep. Yes, he that's is. Simple. Yeah, it's that simple. When you look back on Kevin Owens' uh, career, yep, he's a Hall of Famer. And for those of you who thinks that he looks like your mailman or whatever, eh, what I can't help you with that. <laughs> I can't help he you does with look that. Like my mailman, you know, yeah. uh, Kevin Owens has. Uh, if you if you look back and see that some of the things Kevin Owens has done, like I was saying to you so passionately during the week, you know, right. he shows up on, on his first appearance on Monday Night Raw, and who does he beat? John yeah. Cena. Yeah. You know, one, two, three. Oh my God, he's the guy who kicked Vince McMahon in the face. Yeah. You know, this is Kevin, true. Kevin Owens. What about the night that Triple H, you know, turned and and basically. That moment where Kevin realized I'm about to win the world title because Triple H is on my side. That look that he had, uh, his time with Y2J, the whole that whole pairing that carried Raw quite honestly right. for how long? Like a, at least a calendar year. Yeah, we talk about runs and how they should count. You know that boy did that run count? Those two were legendary together. You know, you just made the list. You just made those the two, list. Those two were amazing. Kevin Owens. Has done, and apparently behind the scenes too. Vince must love him because he's done everything they've asked him to do. I I Pop, look at, I look at Kevin. Kevin and Shane. Kevin, like Kevin is the guy everybody. that gets the people that gets the next wrestler over to the next. But level. he's also been a world champion. Yes, yes, and a respectable one in my opinion. You know, I mean, he did the he did something most wrestlers would never do. He gave up the belt to Goldberg. He he didn't bitch. He didn't whine. He didn't complain behind the scenes and say that's it. I'm leaving. He, he understood that these are the parts that they, you know, you got to play ball with the boss, you know, and I think he's done a good job of that, and he's done an amazing job in the ring, and he's great on the microphone. Modern I'm day, sorry he looks like your mailman. Modern, modern Day Warrior says Kevin Owens looks like Norm from Cheers. That's what I'm getting at! <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> 
Norm. Everybody said, <laughs> said when he comes over, he's like, Kevin. You want to go where everybody knows your pain? Look at Kevin Owens. Ding. That's pretty with, good, man. With that, bad, we'll be right back after this commercial break. Uh, and shortly, we are bringing on private investigator of pro wrestling, Mr. James Terry. Stand by. Jimmy, I got to take a dump. What? No. I mean, I need a dumpster. <sighs> well... For all those needs, you need to call Big V Dumpster Rental, Long Island, New York, 631-900-DUMP. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude. Good fucking wine. Yeah. Jeff Quest, graphics design, custom vinyl lettering, and all your art and video needs. 516-317-8204. That's for Jeff Quest, graphic design. Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Monty Nefaro, seen every Thursday, produced at Indie Music TV in Ron Conkham in New York. After this next little segment, then we are bringing on our special guest, Mr. James Terry, private investigator of pro wrestling. I want to reach out to one of the fans out on our Facebook page, and he's right. Uh, Elizabeth Berkeley, the movie I was talking about is Showgirls. Okay. Dude, you should catch it. Showgirls. Showgirls. You oh, will okay. enjoy it right. is a hot mess. <laughs> hot mess. It's a hot mess, man. Okay. I now love I'm that. intrigued. Okay. You you will love it. And it, it's right. probably free, so. Why does it ring a bell? It's I don't know. It's ringing a bell to me. Bianca Belair, yeah. we chose, wins the Women's Royal Rumble. Thoughts? I guess it's, I guess it's, oh, dude, I couldn't take that speech afterwards. I, I almost. The fake crying? I couldn't. It was I, really bad. I that thought, was really bad. You know what's acting. funny? They're all falling for it on, on the reviews. Like, wow, that was so moving. That was so inspiring. Are you serious? Oh, dude, I want to vomit. That was so I, fake. That was horrendous. It was horrendous. Thank I'm, you for being honest. Then. I, I, oh, was my God. Horrendous. I was like, stop. This is so bad. I'm like, stop. Uh, she, she, <laughs> she, that was me. Whatever. I thought it was terrible. But, it was bad. But she's a tremendous wrestler. There's no doubt about that. She does nothing for me, just for the record. She's got a good body. I don't even... That doesn't even equate with me. I, I got you. She's killer Like, she's shape. a killer body, right? She's a killer shape. Yes, yes. absolutely. Uh, d d good wrestler and all, but it does nothing for me. But I understand why they did this. The, you know, she's been pushed well on the card. She's been, she's been pretty damn good. So, okay. Logical. I thought, you know, maybe Charlotte, they'd play the safe thing, Charlotte. I think Banks Belair has. That's going to be good. It's going to be a good match. Yeah, I think that's going to be you good. You know what I mean? I'm, and then I'm you're all probably going to get Flair, Oscar. Yeah. Which, I think so. you know what? WrestleMania's turned out to be a big deal. Well, as usual, it'll probably be a pretty decent card, you know? Were you shocked that we did not get Lesnar, Cena, Punk, no. or Becky Lynch? No, because. None of them? No, because. Uh, and I'm it, you know, you're funny. Y you always say. Not during the COVID ever. Not during the COVID ever. Not during the COVID ever. There's no one in the audience. There's no one in the audience. And it's so funny. We get close to the Royal Rumble, and you're like, okay, Lesnar's going to come out. Cena's going to come out. And you're right back into, sucked back into the fans. Well, because we got 25,000 fans going to be at WrestleMania. Not, I, I still don't believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. And I just feel like there's no reason to pull a trigger without the fans. 
you know, a huge a huge trigger unless you're just All right, so to... I made I made a few phone calls before the show. Okay. It's two shows. Yeah. Two nights. Yeah. 25,000 fans each. Okay, if everything goes down okay. Well, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl's getting 25,000 fans. Interesting. Okay. It's all Tampa. Do you feel bad for Tampa that they're they no. got an opportunity for WrestleMania and the Super Bowl? I mean, to me it's amazing that the Buccaneers are in the Super Bowl and they're playing in their home stadium. Is that how this is working? Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty good. <laughs> all right, before we get to James Terry, before we get to James Terry, I need to know who oh, are you no. picking? I hate when you do this. Who are you picking you go first. for the Super Bowl? You go first. No. You must speak first. Who's winning the Super Bowl? You love this game. I hate this game. Go on. Who's winning the Super Bowl? Kansas City Chiefs. By a blowout. I have to agree. I have to agree. I can't disagree with that. The Kansas City Chiefs are the more totally balanced team with the better coach. However, I will say this. It's pretty silly unless your name is Eli Manning to bet against Tom Brady. Um just historically, it's not a good idea to bet against Tom Brady. He always seems to find a way. Unless right. you're Eli Manning and that one hiccup with the Eagles. It's also amazing that he's about to appear in his 10th Super Bowl. Is he a robot by any chance? Like an android? Because he's 43 years old and he's about to play and lead, not come off the bench or something, he's about to lead his team to a 10th Super Bowl. He's an android. He must be. So I... I, I was, <laughs> He's got to be. How is it possible? No quarterback ever lasted this long on that level. I've never seen such amazing will from the from a from an athlete. It's ridiculous. What a leader. And I'm a Jet fan. He's tortured us for decades. I am so impressed with this. He's a cyborg. Well, he's I, a cyborg. I think this Terminator is going to be terminated. I, you know what? Let's let's hope finally that it may end with you know like what Joe Montana said, walking off after his last game. Everything hurts. Just be done. Just be done. Just go away already. I see ghosts. And why did he come to the Jets and lead us to a Super Bowl if he was going to no, do our, anything? No, our quarterback sees ghosts oh, yeah, that's and gets true. scared. Yeah, boo. All right, with boo. that, we'll be back with our guest, Mr. James Terry, after this quick commercial break. Nice. In the mood for a freshly roasted cup of coffee? www.offtherailscoffeeroasters.com And Nitro's Garage for all your automotive needs. Call 646-675-2349. That's 646-675-2349. For all your automotive needs, Nitro's Garage. Ask for Jack. Elm Logistics for all your logistic needs. Call 631 631- Two nine nine three five nine five. That's six three one two nine nine three five nine five. Elm Global Logistics. Pride, performance, and partnerships. Right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Monty Nefaro, seen every Thursday from nine p.m. to ten p.m. out of Indie Music TV. So we want to welcome our special guest, Mr. James Terry, private investigator for pro wrestling. James, how are you? Welcome to Monty and the Pharaoh. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I've been listening to your show, but you guys have just totally whiffed on a couple of points. Can I give them to you? Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> All right. And, and we're going to go say by the bell. I'm 43 years old. I absolutely love the show. I watched it every Saturday morning in between wrestling. So the biggest uh, star to ever come out of that show was Leah Remini. 
Did you know she was on that show? Of course. She was in the uh, that summer beach club, uh, like right. five Leah episodes. Kings of yeah. She, she was- would by far be the biggest star to ever come out of that show and, and headlined a network program for years. I think she was only in maybe one or two seasons. But, yeah, she was like a cabana girl or something. But I got a real quick story about Saved by the Bell. I was playing in a college football national championship game in 1995. In Long Beach, California, I played at a junior college football program down there as a place kicker. And the night before the national championship game, they brought both community college football teams in for a dinner uh, and a dinner show. The star of the show was a former Saved by the Bell cast member. Now, growing up uh, and watching that show, I knew exactly who he was. And none of the guys on the team, if there was 125 football players, I would say 121 of them were black guys. Black guys in the 80s and 90s did not watch Saved by the Bell. But the guy that was in the show was this man. Do you remember Max? 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 Yes, his name was Max, and he owned the restaurant that all the kids in Saved by the Bell went ahead and ate at on the weekend. Oh, that's right. Max's. Okay, yeah. Max's, that's correct. So I knew who he was. He's a phenomenal magician. So he was up there. It had nothing to do with Play by the Bell. He's the host of this MC, and I wait until every football player from both college football teams leaves this dinner show to meet him. And I go up to him, and he pulled a duck out of a hat. He was an incredible, kind of like a David Copperfield light. I'm the only guy in the whole audience that knew who he was, and I go up to him, and I said, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? So I went up to him, and I said, hey, why wasn't Kelly Kapowski here? And he looks at me, and he takes a drag and a cigarette. He blows smoke in my face, and he goes, fuck off. That was the only close encounter with that show I ever had. And then I saw him years later in Las Vegas. He was doing uh, some magic out there. But Leah Remini, by far, is the biggest star to, to ever come out of that show. Right. Uh, Dustin Diamond, what a tremendous talent. That he was the horse shack of our generation. Yeah, to, well, my point was is that he was the most memorable character. I don't even remember Leah Remini being on the show, so there you go. Yeah, and Kevin Owens in the Hall of Fame. Should we get, like, King Kong Bundy in there first? Oh, absolutely. Oh, you, there's a whole bunch we can get in first. The, the, the list is very yeah. long. So we were, we were going through the list of Hall of Famers. Real quick, before we get into what you do, let's see how much you know about Leah Remini. What was one of her first movies that she made? Oh, wow. That's a good one. I, I would have no idea. I don't know. What was she in, uh, like an HBO Skinamax type remember, deal? You remember, the, a- you remember the movie Old School? I do. She was in that. Yeah. She's... Uh, what about I was a teenage Scientologist? You ever seen that one? Absolutely, she's because oh, she she was a Scientologist. Oh, awful. All right. Anyway, let's get let's get to the the matter at hand. So, James, welcome aboard. So, tell us a little bit about yourself for the fans who may not know who you are. Well, most people, almost all people, would not know who I am. That was kind of done intentionally. Um, I'm a private investigator, and I work on missing persons and recovery cases. So, what that would mean were the difference between like the Rockford Files. Uh, which was Gardner, or um, let's say any of the other uh, Hawaii. What was the uh, the woman in Hawaii? What was that? Uh, Hawaii Five O. Any of the private investigators. I was going to say Magnum, Magnum PI. Magnum PI. Okay. A lot of different things. All I do is missing persons and recovery work. And uh, I have a background in professional football. I played and still currently play, if the season ever comes back, arena football. I played over 19 seasons in arena football as a place kicker. So most of my career has been spent in professional football. As my career started to come to an end, I didn't know how much longer I would play. 
I kind of went ahead and started looking at some of the stuff that other guys on the teams were doing for jobs in the offseason. I didn't want to teach school, and I didn't want to work at Denny's. And being a uh, college football player at a historically black college, you're talking about black history, my major in college was black history. And they just ain't giving too many jobs to a guy like me with that. I actually went to Clark Atlanta University. And that is the same school uh, that um, a famous wrestler named New Jack played college football at. So New Jack was at Clark Atlanta University a few years before I was. I've seen his, I used to see his photos on the wall, skinny young kid. He was a phenomenal football player. I believe he played linebacker. But um, uh, I was seeing maybe the football career thing coming to an end. A lot of guys I know were getting into bounty hunting or bodyguard work. One of my roommates in the Arena Football League was George Murdoch. Now, this is George Murdoch before he was famous. George Murdoch played arena football, and we were roommates in Nebraska. George Murdoch later became, in the wrestling circle, circles, Brodus Clay. I believe he goes by Tyrus now. Mm. So we were just two young guys making a couple of hundred bucks a week to play, and these guys were all getting into bodyguard work. He later became Snoop's bodyguard. I knew him when he was doing that. Other guys I know were bounty hunters, kind of like Dog the Bounty Hunter, like David Schultz. But I didn't want to carry a gun, and I didn't want to track down pedophiles in Mexico, so I looked into the private investigating, went to college with my mom, back to school with my mom at Hillsborough Community College, and finished and got a degree in private investigating, which I have done for the last six years. While I was in private investigating school at HCC in between the arena football seasons, uh, the professor came up to me and he said, listen, you're interested in missing and recovery work only. You're not going to do cheating housewives. You're not going to do insurance claims. You're not going to do murder cases. I've got, you're a wrestling fan. I'm from the Tampa Bay area, Clearwater. Uh, these professional wrestlers are on every corner. Steve Kern, Hulk Hogan. Growing up, we see Hulk Hogan at the grocery store. The Bushwhackers, the Nasty Boys. I saw Knobs working at a, uh, at a flea market probably about two years ago. He makes the best uh, ice cream you could imagine. So these guys are all over the place. And you said, Jimmy Hart, they're everywhere. So he said, listen, we do have a lot of professional wrestlers, and there's two stories I'd like you to look into before you graduate college. One is Gino Hernandez. Now, I was a big, 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 big Texas, Von Erich, uh, professional wrestling fan growing up, even though I grew up in Florida, because in the mornings of Saturday, we would get the AWA at 7 to 8. From 8 to 9, we'd get the WWF. And then from 9 to 10, we would get world-class championship wrestling. Saturday night, we'd get Gordon Soley and wrestling from Florida, the Dusty Roads, the Sullivans, the whole nine yards. So I got four hours of professional wrestling in four territories on a Saturday growing up in between Saved by the Bell. So I grew up watching wrestling. The professor looked at it. He says, you got two cases here, Jake Roberts and Gino Hernandez. Gino Hernandez's story to look into scared me a little bit because of the homosexual vibe that I was getting from it. It seems like in order to figure out what really happened to him, I would have to dig into his sexual sexuality. I didn't really like that. The other one was Jake the Snake Roberts, whose sister went missing in 1979, the morning of Thanksgiving, uh, JoLynn Smith Rogers. So I grabbed that, started looking into it, and that's what propelled me uh, to get uh, taken on by Jake's sister, Rockin' Robin, who was the, the only world champion in the family. Uh, and she took me on, and for nine months I did nothing but dive into Jake the Snake Roberts Sam Houston, Rock and Robin, and all the other siblings about Jake the Snake's missing sister. And that's how I got started six years ago. And that led to cases over and over again uh, being called for professional wrestling. In fact, in, in the underground, I've been known as the kayfabe detective or the wrestling PI. I do other cases with celebrities, but professional wrestling keeps popping up in my world of private investigating. And Jake the Snake was the first one. 
So let's talk about Jake the Snake. As we know, uh, Dark Side of the Ring, we were talking about documentaries. I believe season three starting, and um, there is one on Jake the Snake's uh, sister. Uh, did you have any involvement in that documentary at all? Well, Dark Side of the Ring at all with this particular episode? Yeah, what they looked to do, and I had seen most of those, and what they did on Gino Hernandez was phenomenal. And you guys, everybody has their favorite wrestling documentaries. I'll take Beyond the Mat every day and twice on Sunday, followed by both the Von Erich ones. But Beyond the Mat was the most real, gritty, behind-the-scene, human being, less Hollywood feel of a doc sports documentary I've ever seen. I mean, that's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Well, so you know I had seen a little bit about what Jake had said. Um, but yeah, I, I started um, working with them, and they the story kept growing and growing and growing. And Rock and Robin got interviewed, and they weren't going to do much on Jake's sister because the stories that Jake had put out for years was that she was murdered. There was blood all in the car. Total bullshit. It wasn't true at all. And I even called Jake and talked to him about that. So Rock and Robin mentioned to these guys, listen. You need to get this guy on the phone. He knows all the wrestlers. He can find guys you can't find. And he knows more about my family and different family members and what happened to my sister than even I do. And he's worked on this at that point for almost three years. So nine months straight while I was in school and then three years total working with nothing but Jake the Snake Roberts, his family and everybody. So, yes, they did get a lot of their information about that one particular part, which is going to be 12 minutes of the 48-minute documentary that they will debut. Um, and it's, it's not only about... Robin, I'm looking at some notes here. It's about Grizzly Smith and the whole family. Most people, when we were growing up, did not know the size of the Smith wrestling family. We knew the Von Erics, you know, you knew the Hearts, but you didn't realize. And, and in my estimation, I think they're one of the top five wrestling families of all time. But because they didn't work under that as a family, as a clan back then, they kind of get lost. So yes, I worked uh, very, very diligently with those people behind the scenes, but just to not capitalize on on the, the behind the scenes and what I know about this family and these people, which nobody else in the world knows. I didn't want to go on camera, but they are going to uh, give me credit in there for some of the information and most of the information I find about that one part of Jake Roberts' life in When His Sister Went Missing in 79. Any, any chance you'll possibly re-explore the, the, the possibility of looking into the Gino Hernandez thing? Because I've always wondered... You know, a lot of it has to go back to um, Gino Hernandez, and I did look into it. I never worked on it. And mm -hmm. I called Gino's uh, daughter. He has a daughter that's still alive. And, you know, people forget Gino Hernandez was what? When he died, what was he, 26? 26 or I mean, 7, yeah. Yeah, he Very was, young. I mean, think about it. Very 43 young. years old. Yeah, I've lived almost twice as long as him, and he seemed bigger than life. Yeah. And when I spoke with her, the family was terrified. Mm. They they weren't really interested in having a guy like me dig it up. But I think everything that you saw on the documentary hits the nail on the head. I do not believe that he was murdered, at least not in that fashion. I think there might have been some people after him, but I do not believe that he was murdered. And basically how that ended up with the people that they interviewed are the same type of people I would have interviewed. Gino Hernandez died of an overdose. I just think that's how much cocaine he was doing. And if you listen to Gary Hart's interview uh, or Bronco Lubitsch or any of those guys, Scandal Akbar, they'll tell you that guy was just full of cocaine back then. Interesting. Interesting. So, James, I want to go back to uh, the Jake the Snake story. Obviously, you sure. interviewed Jake or talked to Jake. Uh, you talked to yeah. Sam Houston, his half-brother, and Leilani yeah. Kai, his half-sister. First of all, can you tell me what type of people they are, and what did you find out about Jake's sister? 
Was she murdered? Well, here we're going to go. Straight shoot, right? I mean, you want yeah. my undivided, unedited account of this. Sure. Jake the Snake Robert, and like a lot of people have said in his documentaries, is, in my opinion, one of the most incredible theatric um, performers in any sort of entertainment. You could put him up with Jackie Gleason, Johnny Carson. You could put him up against Andrew Dice Clay. Whatever type of an entertainer you were into, Jake Roberts was there. If he would have went into movies, he'd have been phenomenal. If he would have been in professional wrestling, he was phenomenal, no matter what that guy would have done. But Jake Roberts, as a human being, is one of the most disgusting human beings I've ever looked into in my life. Train his wreck. family is full of Yeah, well, more so than just drugs, right? So sure. his family, and he's even admitted this on some of his interviews, is full of pedophilia. His what? family is full of incest. What? I mean, technically, Jake the Snake Roberts was born out of a rape. He's been very public about that. Wow. What I found about his sister... Uh, did not stray far from that. Now, this is the only full sister uh, in that group of people that you mentioned. Rocket Robin's a half-sister, and uh, Sam Houston is half-brother. In fact, Sam Houston might be half-human being. That guy's an absolute train wreck, but I love him. He's a nut, and he has never given up his gimmick, no matter what's happened to him. But they were all very instrumental. Uh, so Jake Roberts is uh, two totally different human beings at two totally different times. Now, I spoke with him three times. Jake Roberts and I's conversations in looking for his sister did not last long because mm. what I had found out, and the first thing that I told him is, Jake, where the fuck did you hear that she died and there was blood and $100,000 worth of life insurance? And basically, Jake Roberts' sister at 18 years old, for those that don't know, had already been on her second child. Um, she was 18 years old and she had a one-year-old. She married a 50-year-old guy to get out of the house with Grizzly Smith, Jake, and the rest of them. She was kidnapped by her 50-year-old husband's ex-wife and disappeared. No body was ever found. The woman was arrested. She was indicted. She spent 10 years for kidnapping, but none in murder. But if you listen to Jake the Snake Roberts' accounts of the story, it's a lot more sensationalized. It's more gory. Jake was phenomenal with people that will believe and that he can prey on your emotions. He can tell very quick what side of the fan, you, uh, what side of the fence you're on. Are you a fan, or are you looking into this as business? I looked at this as business. Jake was no different than Rock and Robin, than their brother Joel, or any of the other people that were involved in this that had nothing to do with pro wrestling. He was just another pawn on the chessboard to me. So he was not able to work me. He was not able to con me. He was not able. I didn't want to talk about wrestling. So when I brought this up to him, and I says, Jake, for 15, 20 years, you've been talking about a story about your sister being murdered and this and that. Where the fuck are you getting your information from? He became, he was no longer Jake Roberts. He was Aurelius Smith. Uh, he was Grizzly Smith's son, the same guy that was abused and sexually molested. And that's where it started. And um, so him and I went into this. He had very little to do with the investigation. And when I told him that I believed his sister was possibly alive out there, um, he pretty much ended the phone call pretty quick because it would make him look like a liar. This was not to be too long-winded, but so you understand, this was also around the same time that Jake the Snake Roberts was hooked up with your guys' good buddy, um, DDP, Dallas Page, who I had several conversations with. And listen, if DDP ever watches this, if he ever wants to finish that conversation one-on-one -on -one in person, I would love to do that because I am impossible to intimidate, especially by a 60-year-old yoga instructor. So oh his better days are long behind him. And Jake the Snake was kind of getting out of that rut. He was 
uh, with Diamond Dallas Page. They were doing a lot of this yoga stuff. I don't think he wanted to dive down the rabbit hole with me and his sister look like a liar in the documentaries as he's getting ready and shooting documentaries with and saying the same story with Dallas Page. And when I did talk to Dallas Page about this, who I thought would talk some sense into his friend and explain to him that I was pretty close to finding a missing sister alive after, what, 35, 38 years at the time, hmm. um, he wasn't interested in that. He was more interested in, prote- uh, per, per, uh, I guess he, the, the right term would be, uh, he was more interested in protecting his product of yoga and Jake the Snake being his, his puppet, his, his, um, his project to get better. Dallas Page was always, is always, and always will be a mark for his own gimmick. And I told him that on the phone. So this involves a lot of different people, uh, but Jake the Snake is probably the smallest part of the story. His sister is a way bigger story than he was. Did DDP threaten you? Did you at any point get any threats for for your work? Were you trying to uncover DDP never threatened me. DDP, the only thing Diamond Dallas Page did in a conversation, which, okay. by, by the way, my last name is Terry. When he called me, he thought I was Hulk Hogan. So <laughs> when he when I answered the phone, he said, Terry? And I said, yeah. He goes, Hulk? Hootie? And I mm-hmm. says, no, no, no. This is James Terry. I've been trying to chase you down at your studio for about six months. We need to talk about Jake Roberts. So we okay. got into it. Now, the way he made it sound was, listen, if this guy's sister's still alive, if Jake Roberts' sister's still alive, or you found out the truth as to how she was killed or murdered, which nobody really knows for sure, this is going to put him right back in the stupor. So the threat with Dallas Page was about his friend falling off the wagon. The last thing I wanted to do was push Jake Roberts, and he goes back and and does a mound of cocaine, and he overdoses in a nightclub doing stand-up. So I had to be very careful as to how I handled this, and it was very apparent to me by the stories that Jake had said, both publicly and privately, he didn't know what the hell went on with his missing sister. And he was a referee at the time. He was not Jake the Snake Roberts when she went missing. Interesting. You know what I can't get past? The way you were describing Jake behind the scenes as a person with his ability to manipulate other people, his instant recognition uh, recognition of when, uh, of who you are and how to... Are you telling me he's got Charles Manson skills? Is he closer to Charles Manson privately with the way he manipulates people than the hero we've seen on TV? Let me tell you something, guys. Jake the Snake Roberts makes Charles Manson Uh-oh. privately look like Screech from Saved by the Bell. Oh, my Jake Lord. Roberts <laughs> on a whole nother level. A guy like Charles Manson wow. has one gear. He has one avenue to con you. Jake Roberts has got ten. He's wow. he's I mean, the guy has been a professional wrestler, he's been an actor, he's been a stand up comedian, and it's all the same shtick, right? It's all the same act. True, Charlie. When I was doing Jake the Snake's yeah. case, when I was doing Jake the Snake's case and I was looking into it, it was really Rocket Robin's case and, and uh JoLynn Smith Rogers, the missing sisters case. When I was looking into it, every three or four days a new woman would call me with a story about Jake the Snake, which was even more uh infuriating and disgusting than the next, and I followed him up with facts and they were all true. But you know, Jake the Snake, there's a lot of good things about him. He's a nice, likable human being. But when he thinks he got you, when he thinks you're a mark for his gimmick. You're done. And I was never that. And I wasn't for Dallas Page either. So I don't want you to think that Dallas Page threatened me. I just told him that if he wanted to talk like that to me in person, I would have no problem driving to Atlanta where I played my college ball and meeting him face to face. He wanted nothing to do with that. Right. There you go. So, James, let me ask you this real quick. We all know about Grizzly Smith and some of the uh, atrocities he laid upon his own family members. Would it be fair for me to say, is Jake Roberts 
the same way as his father? Did he do the same thing to his family members? Definitely, 100%. And I'll tell you what's even interesting about Grizzly Smith. That's the same as Jake Roberts. And I'll give you a quick story here. I'm being long-winded, but there's a lot to talk about, and I'll, I'll, I'll shorten it. Grizzly Smith, at the end of his life, disappeared. Grizzly Smith, in the early 90s, opened up another territory after Vince McMahon had already obliterated all of them. It was called the Five Star Wrestling uh, promotion. And Five Star Wrestling was shot, I believe, in Shreveport, Bossier City, Louisiana. It was done in a lot of the clubs up there. And it was about 18 or 20 episodes. And it was the first time that Rock and Robin and um, Sam Houston ever teamed up together as brother and sister. They actually broke the kayfabe there and said, we're related, we're gonna be a mixed tag. And it was some of the, they were some of the best workers in that industry. But if you go on YouTube, you'll see the five-star wrestling promotion. And there's about 20 uh, jackets in that library. I talked to the producers. As far as Jake Roberts and his father, I got to speak with people that weren't involved in wrestling that were related to Grizzly Smith. And one of the most interesting stories about Grizzly Smith that never made it anywhere that will line up with Jake Roberts is Grizzly Smith later in his life, and you can do a background check, you'll see this, had molested a great-granddaughter. After he had molested that great-granddaughter, he was sent to jail. He did some time in Texas. He got out, he got Alzheimer's, and he was extremely sick and in a wheelchair. He was such a good worker. He was such a larger-than-life human being. This is a lot of guy a lot of us did not see growing up or know much about until Jake Roberts, that the, the, the mother of the granddaughter that he molested took her into his house during his hospice time and took care of the man that molested their daughter until he died. Wow. So that would be like your, your guys' children being molested by your grandfather, and then once he's dying, you bring him into the house, into the same home, and let him ride out his last days on earth in that same home. That's the type of magnetism that this family has wow. when it comes to working. Did we lose him, Matt? No, I'm still here. Okay, okay good. Okay. okay, I thought for a second because he froze on the screen. Uh, James, while we got you here, I'm just curious, as, as a private investigator of your status, I don't know how familiar, I'm assuming because you sound like a very passionate wrestling fan, I don't know how much you you know about the Bruiser Brody murder. Any? Can you give us any thoughts on that as a as a PI? You know, that's an interesting thing because two of the things I never really do, but I have been bled into them, is do cases outside the country because of mm-hmm. how the laws work and the people are in Puerto Rico or mm-hmm. in Curacao or in the Dominican Republic or wherever you want to go. The Bruiser Brody murder, the most interesting part of that case, and one part of it, you guys as huge wrestling historians, fans, and and, and uh, uh, people that run media would know, is the guy that murdered him. The guy, and he was murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy that murdered him's own child died within 48 hours of Bruiser Brody's murder. Right. I think there was a hell of a lot of stuff that went on there outside of the knife, outside of the cutting, outside of the ambulance. Everybody's got a different story. I would love to work that case, but here's the difference between Bruiser Brody and what I do. We know where Bruiser Brody is right now. We know what happened to him. How and what led up to that murder, he's gone. It doesn't really matter. The guy is never probably going to um, face any sort of repercussions for that. The story gets lost. Mm -hmm. What else is interesting, too, is other than that guy's child dying and and the guy that, uh, what was his name that killed Bruiser Brody, Um, his wrestling name? Jose Gonzalez, uh, the invader. Invader. You know what? I don't know how many people have really pushed him to do an interview. 
just like finding Billy Jack Haynes for you guys, which I found a phone number for him, and he's a strange human being. And a lot of the guys, the stranger these wrestling guys are, the more truth they tell. Billy Jack Haynes with that thing in Arkansas is right on the money. He knows exactly what he's talking about. The Marty Jannetty thing, boy, I'd love to look into that. It would take me about two days to figure out whether or not he assassinated a bowling alley guy. Um, but you know, it's in Florida where I'm from. Um, and by the way, guys, let Marty Jannetty know, I, I worked for a doctor, an ankle specialist, one of the best in the state of Florida. I did some work for him. Okay. He's waiting on Marty Jannetty. We'll see how bad those ankles are pro bono. He just needs to get in contact with me through your show and because of your influence of putting me on here. I'll take care of Marty Jannetty's ankles. Um, but I might do something in trade-off, which is the name of that bowling alley. But well, as far as that, we know. Uh, James, not to cut you off, but I want to do a shameless plug. If anyone doesn't know what James talk about, Marty Jannetty at some point said that he murdered someone who tried to sexually assault him. Right. And Marty alley. pretty right. much announced that on our show first. That shameless plug. Go ahead, James. <laughs> that is correct. You guys had hey listen, you guys broke that story first. Nobody in this industry does what you guys do. Thank I don't you. care what kind of mask they put on, what country they're from, or who they're married to. Nobody works the media like you guys do with professional <laughs> wrestling. Nobody gets the guests. Nobody gets the info, and you broke that story. And, man, I got calls about that for three or four days. And I get calls from wrestlers all the time that want me to find stuff that are less than a, a missing sister. Could be Hulk Hogan's. I got a call to find Hulk Hogan's boots from the, the WrestleMania three. which, by the way, guys, Joey Morella should be in the Hall of Fame. He was the third guy in the ring for Hogan and Andre. Put Joey Morella, Gorilla Monsoon's son, in the Hall of Fame. The guy gave his life to the business, and it's one of the most fascinating stories. I would love to look into that case, but I get calls to do all kinds of different cases. Um, Joey Morella is one I would like to look into. You mentioned that, but, yeah, if he wants his ankles looked at, you tell your, your partner over there to, to, to give me a ring to get in contact with me, and I'll put him in contact with a doctor that I think could really help him out. Because, man, if you don't have your ankles, 30% of your bones are below your ankles. You need some help. We will. Uh, so, a couple things. Let's go back to Billy Jack. What did you find out about Billy Jack? Anything? The way to get a hold of Billy Jack with a lot of these guys, uh, one of the hardest guys I ever tried to get a hold of was the assassin, the masked assassin, who still scares the hell out of me. I, I, he's living in Georgia. And um, it, it was to go around and near people that were that person. Don't actually look for the assassin. Don't actually look for Jody Hamilton. Call his aunt. Call his uncle. You know how many phone calls I got from producers and television people? And, you know, you guys put up this thing about Dustin Diamond dying. Vince McMahon's brother just died. Yes. A lot of people didn't know Vince McMahon had a brother. Do you know how many calls True. I got? Even 20, I mean, uh, I'd say two, three years ago with people in media outlets wanting to look into Vince McMahon's brother who had some, I think he did something with a steel company or, or something in Texas, and they wanted to find that guy. He was very easy to find. So the way you find guys like, Billy Jack Haynes or any of these is go to people that either lived with them, dated with them, or that they screwed over, and they're more than willing to tell you where they are. If you try to find Billy Jack, you never will. It's the peripheral that catches these guys, and that's why I've been successful at working with these wrestlers. The uh, Dan Crusade is asking, do you know anything cool about the Dino Bravo murder? Hmm. Yeah, it, Dino Bravo. You know, I want to tell you, and this is really going to blow this one um, I don't think that that was as sensationalized as a lot of people think it was. I think basically what Dino Bravo was is you have to remember Dino Bravo from his early career, before the blonde hair, right? When he was Dino Bravo and wrestling in other promotions, he was a top guy somewhere else. By the time we saw him, if you're 40, 35, and he was already a mid-card guy at best. 
I think he was just a guy that thought he was bigger than life. He was invincible, bulletproof, and they proved that, you know, no matter how big you are or, or if you believe wrestling at the time, you're not going to outrun or beat a bullet. And, and a bunch of them got him. So I think that he ripped off the wrong people, and, and you know, he, he was gone. And there's another story of a guy that if it was in the United States or if it was any other guy or if the media was a little bit different at the time, a lot of these guys – I mean, Gino mm-hmm. Hernandez, it was a minute and 27-second blurb on a wrestling show on Saturday that he was gone. Unless right. you were in that Texas market, nobody knew he died. Right. I mean, there, there wasn't – news outlets in Seattle weren't covering it like they were Chris Benoit. But um, Dino Bravo died because he ripped the wrong people off. It is that simple. We know what ended up happening to him. Uh, some of the other ones that are a little bit more interesting than Dino Bravo would be Joey Morella. I would love to look into how Adrian Adonis died. I don't think that whole story is out there. The Chris Benoit thing is total horse shit. I don't care what anybody says out there. There is more to that story than could possibly uh, be put out there. And I don't think it has anything to do with Kevin Sullivan, but there's a hell of a lot more out there. But does the family want to hire a guy like me to really dredge that up? And if I find something else, who else is it going to hurt? A lot of these people wanted the, the story to die. Rick Rude is, is another one. I mean, what he had amputated before he died, mm. you know, would ruin his whole legacy and who he was. So, or he committed suicide. So a lot of these guys you want to keep 26 years old and that they might have been murdered were really Gina Hernandez was probably messing around with the wrong guy. He was a bisexual, too, took too much cocaine and overdosed because he was paranoid as shit. So, James, uh, back to Rick Rude. So are you saying what the rumors are true, that Rick was injecting steroids into his penis and then he did something wrong and he had to have it amputated, which then he committed suicide? Yes. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Basic. I mean, listen, you know, the the fact that guys like, you know, see, this kind of infuriated me a little bit with what you guys said about Yokozuna. The WWE wanted him to be healthy. They wanted him to do that. How old was Eddie Guerrero when he died? Talk about the picture of health. The guy didn't look like he'd ever die. And then you get a guy like Junior San Martino who never took anything. He lives till he's 90. So they were interested in getting Yokozuna in shape. But guys that were in phenomenal shape because they wanted him in phenomenal shape were dying at a faster clip. Then God, let me let me give you a perfect example, and you would remember this from the Von Erichs, the one man gang. Mm-hmm. How long's that guy gonna live? You talk about a slog. <laughs> I mean, he looks like, <laughs> but Popeye's chicken and orange soda for the last four years, and the one man gang still works at a prison. So how in God's green earth is he right. that, and Yokozuno isn't? So right. uh, you know, I, I don't buy the whole thing. It's like Black History Month. I mean, no, but no, no avenue of entertainment did blacks look worse in. Than the WWF. I mean, do we remember Slick? You know what I mean? So I think a lot of it is, I mean, he's a pimp. The junkyard dog had a dog collar around his neck. I'll tell you what, the next time you have a black wrestler in your show, go ahead and put a dog collar and a chain around him and see how long you guys are on the air in New York. I'll let him try. He's bigger than me. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. uh, James, what's your thoughts real quick on uh, Snooker, the, the, you know, the Snooker situation with Nancy Argentina? Yeah, he killed that woman. Mm. Okay. <laughs> he killed that woman, and right. I think that and, and a lot Vince of people McMahon buried it. Uh, I've I've heard stories about large suitcases. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. listen, guys, when you're talking about these small towns in Pennsylvania and Connecticut where they're mm. doing house shows in towns, and I've played in these towns in the Arena Football League, like Johnstown, Pennsylvania, yeah. or you know, Bemidji, Minnesota, or Lakeland, Florida. If you show up there, those cops, those sheriffs of those small burgs, those small towns, 
they run the town. That's it. Sure. So if you show up, there's a girl that's dead. Jimmy Snooker's larger than life. And let's not forget, right before Hulk Hogan, right around Bob Backlund, I mean, the Iron Sheik was the transitional champion. Um, your two biggest guys were Sergeant Slaughter and Jimmy Snooker. Yep. That's it. Yep. So it, it would be like The Rock today. You yeah. know what I mean? So, mm. yeah, I, I think he killed that woman. He murdered her. There was other women that he had uh, assaulted physically. I mean, the guy was jacked up on more stuff than you could possibly imagine. So are we to believe because he couldn't cut a promo, he didn't have a temper? I mean, for God's sakes, the guy got hit with a coconut. You know what I mean? And still kept going. So I I think that's an avenue. Yeah, he killed her. Those those are all come and gone. And and, and I think that he did that. And and it wasn't brought to later. Um, And that was right around the same place that Bill Cosby got out of all his stuff for a long time that they eventually... Uh, prosecuted him in so when those sheriffs don't want to press charges you're scot-free and he stayed out of trouble after that right right real quick we got a few more minutes left um i wanted you to share your thoughts on kerry von eric uh the suicide and then obviously you were roommates with brodus clay who uh was let go out of fox for sexual harassment maybe you could tell us a story about brodus clay so kerry von eric and brodus clay Kerry Von Erich, uh, guys, you know, if there was, he was looking at a lot of jail time. And I know this because as a private investigator, like a lot of people, when they become PIs, they like to spy on ex-girlfriends or neighbors or whatever, people that know their parents. I can't tell you how many people that I was friends with for years where I look them up and they've gone by John Smith all their life. And I realize that their name is Roger. And I'm like, what the hell? Oh, I didn't want to take my dad's name. So I, so you find out a lot of dirt. So I started doing this with wrestlers. I've looked up background checks and done stuff on different guys. And, and I looked up the Von Erichs because I had met uh, Kevin Von Erich at a, at a wrestling reunion show in L.A. And there was lines for Mankind and all these different guys. He was barefoot. He spent 30 minutes with me. He's the only celebrity I've ever paid to, to meet. I didn't want the autograph. I wanted to meet him. Took a picture with him. And he was the nicest human being in the world. Um, obviously he didn't have a dental plan cause he looked like he, his mouth looked like the garden weasel, but he was the <laughs> nicest guy in the world. Um, but as far as Von Eric, I looked into him a little bit. He was looking at doing maybe three to five years on drugs. Mm. He didn't have a foot. He was going to go to jail. He was more worried about his persona than anything else. He was going to have to be away from those drugs, probably not be able to kick it in prison. They kept him out of prison for years on drug charges. And basically what happened was he blew himself away and he shot himself not in the head. He shot himself in the heart. A lot of people don't know that his autopsy and different things. It was a gunshot wound to the torso. It was not to the head. And he did that in his suicide note. Um, He listed a lot of different reasons, but he was so vain. He wanted an open casket. So he shot himself in the chest. Uh, The other story you wanted me to bring up was who? Brodus Clay. Yeah. I got a million stories about Brodus Clay. So Brodus Clay and I, in around 2004, are playing for an arena football team called the Tri-City Diesel in Kearney, Nebraska. And it's not even on his Wikipedia or anything out there. Brodus Clay was an incredible offensive lineman and defensive tackle in arena football. He played at the University of Nebraska at Kearney. Now, I never knew what he was. We were roommates. He was a knucklehead. He drove around in an old car. He was from California. And I used to joke with him. They put us in the room together. And the reason they put us in the room together is I'm a kicker. And at the time, I was probably 6'3", 190 pounds, and he was probably 6'5", 370, 360, and it's a shoot. Um, and this was when he was big and heavy and lineman-like. Not, now he's gotten into that powerlifting look. And I used to always say, you know, answer me one question. Are you a black guy? Like, what are you? You got blue eyes. You got a mohawk. You got blonde hair. Are you a black guy or a white guy? 
And so he was my roommate, and they put us together because if we roomed together, we were on the buses together, you had a little guy and a big guy. So he liked the fact that we would sit on the bus rides to these long trips with a little guy, and we were we watched wrestling together. He never had an interest in it as far as becoming a wrestler. So he comes – I had a car, and he didn't. We stayed at a married dorm at the University of Nebraska at Kearney. And he comes to me one night, and he says, man, you got to do me a huge favor. He goes, there's a bar in town called the Holiday Inn uh, Express Lounge. I need to go by there and drop some stuff off, pick some stuff up from a guy. And he was working as a bouncer a little bit. He goes, it's a big nightclub, three minutes. I don't drink. I never did drugs. And I never partied, went to strip clubs or all that. So I says, you know what? I'll drive you. So we drive up there. He goes in. He goes, wait out here. Keep the car running. I'll be in and out in three minutes. He says, just stay right here. He goes in. He comes out. He's sweating a little bit because he's a big guy. He takes his hat off. He goes, all right, let's go. We get in the car. We go back to the dorm, he, um, the dorm room. And he says, you know what? I'm going to go stay at my girlfriend's house tonight, who, by the way, I later found out he was banging the owner's daughter uh, mm. in town, which is one of the reasons his arena football career stopped. And the <laughs> only black guy in Nebraska and on that, uh, in that state and in that area to be banging the white owner's daughter didn't go too well. So he goes, I'm going to go stay at my girlfriend's house. He goes, give me a call tomorrow. We'll go to practice together. I'll come. You come get me. I says, okay. At about 6.30 in the morning, the door is getting virtually kicked in. And I go to the door, and there is state troopers, police Ooh, officers, guys boy. with bulletproof vests on all outside of our apartment, our, our dorm. And I'm like, holy. You know, I'm wondering what I did wrong, right? So I open <laughs> the door, and he says, we're looking for George Murdoch. And I says, officer, he's not here. They go, we need to talk to him about the altercation last night. I says, what altercation? They said, George Murdoch and you were at a bar, and a lot of people got hurt. I said, officer, I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. I says, we were there for three minutes. I waited outside. I says, there was no altercation, no fight. I would know about it. I was there, and I drove him home. They go, where is he now? I said, I don't know where he is. I says, but he ain't here. They come in. They look through the apartment. I mean, they want him. Guns drawn the whole night. And um, so we go back out, and I says, officer, one of the detectives realized he wasn't there. I says, what are you looking for George for, Brodus Clay? Now Tyrus. He says, last night he went into a Holiday Inn Express hotel restaurant bar, beat the shit out of 16 people because some money was owed to him, tore up the whole bar, and um, disappeared. And I says, wait a minute, what? So George Murdoch drove up with me, went into the bar, beat the shit out of half of Kearney, Nebraska, kicked in the bouncer's face, smashed the bar, beat up the bartender, guys and girls all over the place, got in the car and never fucking mentioned it. We went back to the room, and that's why he didn't want to stay there that night, because he knew the cops were coming, and if they talked to the white guy, he'd be okay. So he beat the shit out of half of Nebraska. That's how strong and tough this guy was. And it was no wonder that about uh, two or three years later, I saw he was Snoop's top bodyguard that got into professional wrestling, and the rest is history. He is an incredibly kind human being. He was good to children. But, man, he went through more broads than you could possibly imagine. So if they're saying that he was sexually harassing those people – uh, those women on that show, guys, you're not going to get any questions from me. You don't need a private eye to probably know that that's true. But George Murdoch, he was a good dude, but I knew him and was roommates with him before he was ever into wrestling. He wasn't too kind to those 16 people. Ow. <laughs> I mean, he took the shit out of him. I saw photos of the bar and in three minutes. I mean, oh my we God. talked longer about the story than he was in there. So he came back, got in the car, not a mark on him, and like he had just gone in to like, pick up a, a, a burger and leave. Wow. I thought he went in, in there to pick up a check because I thought he was a bouncer at the place. So, yeah, I mean, he sweated, but Brodus, George was the kind of guy where he sweat when he ate at the Golden Corral. So that didn't mean anything. <laughs> right. He's right. the kind of guy 
he's the kind of guy that always wore shorts. So we were there in February in Kearney, Nebraska. There's four foot of snow, and he was in a tank top and shorts. He was from <laughs> yeah. California. Oh my God. Um, and he was just that guy. But we had a lot of good times, a lot of stories I probably can't tell you. Mm. I'm not sure who's still buried in the desert out there, but I'll tell you oh. what, he's a good dude. <laughs> And uh, I'm glad to see that he succeeded in professional wrestling, in movies, and on television. God bless him. He did great. James, we want to thank you for a wonderful interview. Where can fans reach out to you if they have questions or they want to know more about you? Uh, Where can they find you? Guys, I'm real easy to get a hold of. Um, I'm going to give my number here on the show. It's my personal cell phone number. You can research the number. You can call me. And if there's any, and let me get a real quick plug here myself. If there's a professional wrestler out there that needs anything, whether it's to find a lost loved one, a daughter that they might have. I mean, Andre the Giant didn't realize he had a daughter until she was almost 13. If there's something in the world of professional wrestling you need me to look into with my background and knowledge and some of the people I know, I employed Steve Kern, Tatanka. I've known all these guys, right? I've I've got a pretty good web ring of these guys and media outlets. I would love to help you out if you're a professional wrestler. It doesn't have to be a big or small case, or if you think your wife or your boyfriend's cheating on you, let me know. I'll help you. Um, So my telephone number is 813 993-2242 that's 813-993-2242 give me a call i will help you out my invitation is still open to marty Janetti. i would like to look into some of these cases but guys i owe you the world for for getting me out there and you'll probably start hearing more about me here in the future but any wrestler out there that needs any help from a private investigator you give me a ring we'll see what we can't work out and guys god bless you and thank you for putting the clearwater beach bad boy on the program Thank you, man. It was a wonderful interview, and uh, look forward to having you on again. Good luck. God bless. All right, brother. Thanks, James. Thank you. All right. I want to thank James Terry. Wonderful interview. Farrell, what did you think? That was great. All right. Listen, uh, upcoming events for the fans out there. On February 20th, Shane Douglas and the Sandman will be in at 11 a.m. Maddie, we got a long day on that February 20th. I Get ready. Sandman brings his pen. Yeah, for sure. On March 5th at 8 p.m., we have Stars and Stripes. That's Buff Bagwell and The Patriot. Buff is the On stuff. March 28th, we have, at 10 a.m., Gangrel, um, from <sighs> Vampire fame. He's great. Love On him. April 3rd, we've got Vampiro. I am stoked about that. And then that. right after Vampiro, we have Money Incorporated. That's Ted DiBiase and IRS. Everyone's They'll both be doing price. individual interviews, and then we're going to do a little combination interview. So that's going to be a wonderful you time. make sure you get your taxes in line before oh, you IRS ain't kidding. You. Oh, you and on April 25th at 10 a.m., we have the Hall of Famers, The Rock and Roll Express will be in studio. Jeez. So please, guys, mark that on your calendar. I They're going to be wonderful interviews. And again, I keep asking... Join the Monty Nefaro YouTube page. You will get a free T-shirt, behind-the-scenes information, pledge pin? autographs, and we're working on a pledge pin, pledge without pin. a doubt. <laughs> You've been watching Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast, Monty Nefaro, seen on the Monty Nefaro YouTube page, Facebook Live Monty Nefaro page, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, Twitch TV Monty Nefaro page, Channel 115 Every Tuesday from 7 p.m. to 7.30, that's New York Cable. And for Early Risers, Channel 115, 6 a.m. to 6.30. And on Channel 20, Friday morning at 1.30 a.m. 
Farrell thoughts about the show and some last comments, my friend. Uh, just an excellent show as always. Uh, rest in peace to Dustin Diamond. The Royal Rumble was great. Edge is not too old, damn it. And uh, thank you to James Terry once again for a very, very insightful interview. Uh, he's got me rethinking about a, a few wrestlers, to tell you the truth. That was pretty revealing. Hey. Awesome stuff. Oh, boy. All right. You've been watching Monty Nefaro. I'm Mike Monty. This is the Pharaoh, and until next week, as I always say, later.